In time, they will be a dynamic duo. Now, will it be the duo that Aaron and Devontae had? Time will tell. I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, but he's not in Aaron's league. It may never be, and that's no disrespect either. But it's just hard to shift gears, especially from a player as prolific as Aaron Rodgers. I'd be shocked if he had the same year he's had previous year. That's not to say he can't do it, but I would be shocked. Cofield and Company NFL Insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Brett Favre, what does that guy know about football? We'll get into that. The comments that a lot of Raiders fans took as an insult somehow. I don't know. It's weird. Miles Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. I think he's back from Cleveland. What's up? Hello, I am. I am back in my you know sunny Los Angeles apartment studio, which is the kitchen basically of my one bedroom apartment. So yeah, there you go. it's all great. Living your, be- <laughs> living your best life. You come back, and all of a sudden the college football world is uh, turned on its ear. L.A. is now in the Big Ten. What? I know. I I know. I leave for two weeks, and I come back, and like everything is totally different. Who knew that Lincoln Riley was gonna you know. <laughs> He was running away from getting his ass kicked by Nick Saban every year. Now it's just going to happen to Ryan Day. So who knows, man? (laughs) What do you think of this for the athletes? It's kind of interesting. With football, it's one thing. But uh, remember, these schools have very proud traditions in lots of other sports. And now all of a sudden, um, I think they're going to be doing kind of meetups with Big Ten teams instead of going on road trips. They're going to be playing like two and three schools at a time. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they figure that out. I mean, you're going to have to probably have some sort of neutral site locations, right? I mean, Kansas City seems like a pretty good option for that, you know, when you're going into the middle of the country. But I guess if we're talking about a school that's already in the Big Ten, Nebraska might be another one of those candidates for, you know, if because it makes no sense for Rutgers to have to play, um, you know, UCLA or USC and have to travel and off to do all those things. I mean, it doesn't from like a schooling standpoint. And I know that, you know, when we're talking about football, like school doesn't matter, but it really does for a lot of these other (laughs) athletes, right? You know, the golf team, for instance, right? The softball team, all those baseball players, like they, they need to play school as Cardale Jones once famously said. So you're going to have to figure that out logistically. I mean, we are in, you know, the 2020s, so there are ways to do it. I feel like, but yeah, it's just, it's really weird because, I mean, I don't know how the Pac-12 is really going to survive if you get more defections. I mean, there were reports about the Big 12 and the uh, in the Big uh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 today and all that, and there are still teams that could still go to the Big 10 depending on what Notre Dame does. It's fascinating from the standpoint of somebody who like covers the NFL every day. You know, like you see this and you know that. Basically, the college football is the NFL's farm system, and how is that going to be impacted by all of this? But yeah, it's it, it's wild times right now in college football. You know, I, I've been thinking about this, Miles, since <clears throat> since this happened, and people talking about the traveling, and you know, especially outside of the football, right? It's one once a week or once a season, whoever, whichever is the home team. But like for basketball, like the men's and women's basketball, you know, the travel's been made such a big deal. But here's the thing. These are teams and programs that they set up their non-conference schedule to travel to the Bahamas and Hawaii, and they're traveling all over the country during the preseason. All of a sudden, they're talking about a conference game where they can plan it, and it's a big deal. I don't necessarily agree with the argument in that traveling is going to be rough on certain teams. I mean, that's fair. And yeah, you're right. I mean, especially when you're talking about basketball, they, they do go to the Bahamas, like you said, in the preseason, but I think... The counter to that is, okay, well, that's earlier on in the year. And then when you talk about conference games, the travel eases up. 
and it you know becomes easier on folks. And I, I think there's still something to it where you're not necessarily talking about just basketball, right? I mean, you're talking about, like I said, baseball, and there are plenty of other varsity sports that are not coming to mind right now because, I don't know, they're just not. But I think that they're going to have to work something out because, again, like, I, I hate traveling across the country, right? Like, and I just did it, you know, and you sit on a five-hour flight, I get antsy. And I know it's going to be more comfortable for college athletes than it probably is for me sitting in an Economy United seat. But, like, I just – I don't – I think it's reasonable to expect that there have to be some sort of accommodation. So you're not making all kinds of cross country trips. If you are UCLA or USC during the school year. Let's talk about the bite coming in there from Brett Favre saying that Devonte Adams can't possibly do what he was doing with Rogers. I mean, if we're talking 123 catches, 15, 53 and 11 touchdowns. Yeah. I'd play the under on that, but how much worse are his numbers going to be going from Rodgers to Carr? Well, I think the first thing we have to think about is the offense that he's going to be playing in. And this is somewhat less to do with Derek Carr as the quarterback than it does with Josh McDaniels as the head coach. Right? I don't know that Josh McDaniels would want Devontae Adams to have those kinds of numbers because it probably means something is going wrong with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Right. It probably means that they're not running the ball as effectively as he would like with, you know, let's call it two, three running backs out of the backfield. So, you know, unless, you know, somehow the Raiders become the best offense in the league and, you know, we're seeing them look like the 2007 Patriots. And I don't think that that's going to happen. Right. Like, I, I, I don't think it's a, a knock to say, yeah, Devontae Adams' numbers are going down. Frankly, they never should have been that high in the first place when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you have a decent offensive scheme. I shouldn't say decent. It's a good offensive scheme that's put together by Matt LaFleur, but I, that's maybe a different subject altogether. I don't, did I answer the question you just asked? I don't know if I did. It, it, it did. It did, and I'm with you, though. But here's the thing. Is it sort of a double-edged sword? Because I, I agree with you, by the way, because I think that – you have a three-headed monster that Derek Carr should be taking advantage of in in his college buddy and one of the greatest, if not the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. But he's got the tight end in Darren Waller. He's got that inside slot threat, the tough-as-nails tough guy. It's almost mirrors an old-school Patriots offense. But is it a double-edged sword? So now if he spreads the wealth... No matter what happens, they're he's they they're open for ridicule because somebody's not going to have the big numbers. Yeah, I mean, yes, that that's absolutely what can happen. But if you do that and you go eleven and six, who cares, right? If you do that and you you're still winning, who cares? So I like that's that's why it 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 always is one of those things to me where it's like, yeah, people want their numbers, people want their numbers, but you also want guys who understand what your offensive system is and they understand the why of why the ball goes where it goes. You know, it, teams are going to try to take away Devontae Adams. They're going to try to make Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller beat them because we know how good Devontae Adams is. And the, the best thing about the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams was that teams tried to do that and they were able to exploit it anyway. Now, I don't think I'm you know going out on a limb here by saying Derek Carr is not as good of a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. To me, that's not really an insult. We're talking about one of you know the greatest quarterbacks in the history to ever play the game to somebody who you know is an above average quarterback, but he's not proven that he's really any better than that. You know, so these numbers are going to be different. It's a different offensive scheme. It's a different quarterback that he's playing with. 
Now, Derek Carr turns the ball over more than Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr has made more mistakes with throws and decisions than Aaron Rodgers. Now, can he improve? Of course. But like I, like I said, I just don't think it's some big insult to, to be like, okay, well, yeah, these, these things are expected to go down. Can Devontae Adams fix a lot of those Derek Carr wrongs and help him correct some of those issues of the past, the fumbling, the interceptions? Uh, for you, if Carr goes out, throws 4,700 yards, 35 touchdowns, is he a top five quarterback in the league this year? Well, what is everybody else doing? I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And winning. Like, and obviously winning is a big part of it. Right. Like he's got to finish first or second in the AFC West. You can't put up those numbers and go 9-8 and eight and then think that all of a sudden we're going to talk about Derek Carr like we talk about Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I don't – Derek Carr is like uh, in that 10 to 15 range of quarterbacks right now as we head into the 2022 season. I mean, I wouldn't put him in the top five right now in the AFC. You've got Patrick Mahomes – Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow in no particular order, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson off the field, you know, lawsuits notwithstanding. Those mm, that's right got a, there you got a little six. you got a little shaky there at five with Lamar Jackson slash Deshaun Watson. Okay. Well, like I said, All in right. no particular order. Uh, if I'm putting the order in order, like it would be Deshaun Watson above Lamar Jackson. But like Lamar Jackson has an MVP award, right? So these are teams and these are players that I think right now, if you're just looking at it, you'd say, yeah, I would probably rank them ahead of Derek Carr. I didn't even mention, Ru- mention Russell Wilson either. Yeah, I was just going to ask I, you, would you put yeah, Russell Wilson exactly. automatically ahead of Carr? I, I, I probably would right now, just based on career accomplishments. I mean, those two are, to me right now, in the same sort of 10 to 15 range, though. But, yeah, if we're going to stack them up, it, as we sit here on July 5th, 2022, I would rather have Russell Wilson than Derek Carr. But ask me about that in a couple months. I might have a different answer. Miles Simmons. Pro Football Talk. I'm glad you mentioned with uh, the Pac-12 and college football in the direction it's going in that it's further becoming the NFL's minor league. So explain this one to me. If the USFL is going to work, I know Willie wanted to talk about the USFL uh, actually getting through a season. If a league like that is going to work, how is it going to work if – all the TV money is going to the SEC and the Big Ten to the tune of $100 million plus per school. Yeah, like, is there enough room for real minor league football? Uh, I don't think there's enough room for two minor league football leagues, you know, because you got the XFL coming back next year, too, and that's already has the support of uh, the four-letter ESPN behind it, and that has the rock behind it and all that. It's going to be an interesting competition to see which – you know, league becomes more viable. Um, I I tend to think that there maybe is room for it. I think it might be better if it were in the fall and it were like Tuesday night football because I think more people are engaged in football at that point. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm who won the uh, USFL this year. <laughs> Willie, USFL expert, fire away, buddy. Birmingham won, and it was an exciting game. Came down to the end. Pick six decided it. They, they didn't cover the number awesome. over Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia knocked out Steve's team, New Jersey. But, yes. You know. oh. I got very upset. Okay, yeah. I, I bet you did, Steve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good good for Birmingham. Yeah. Miles Simmons with us. <laughs> we'll, we'll go. We'll take a, a sharp turn from there. So, um, <laughs> disappointing, you know, tragic 4th of July weekend in a lot of ways. So I'm not making light of it, but uh, we do need heroes. In America, and uh, Joey Chestnut, I thought stepped up and did that. Uh, not only on the bum foot does he go out and eat sixty-three hot dogs, but um, you know anyone who claims Miles that 
competitive eaters are not athletes. Up yours. Because uh, yeah. Joey Chestnut slapped on some sort of chokehold in a like split second when a guy came up right next to him and uh, did his protest. Well, not only did he do that, I mean, he still won the competition. Yes. I, I, I like that's that's pretty impressive to yeah, me. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much competitive eating is really like athlete athlete, but it's not not athletic, right? I mean, you can't put that many dogs away. Yep. And not say that that dude's not doing some sort of training for it. Like that, that yeah. does require some serious training. And that Badlands Chugs guy, you know, I, I didn't necessarily watch, but I saw the highlights. And like, I used to have a friend who would send me that that dude who would chug stuff all the time. Like, that's impressive too. Yep. In his own way, like I said, you've got to train for those kinds of things. So like, it's not like you know they're hockey players and going out there and playing with knives on their feet, but like that's <laughs> that takes some sort of skill in order to do it. Yes, and if you've noticed, you mentioned Badlands Booker, who uh, can still chug, but for the most part, the giant fat asses have been pushed out of the sport, and it's mostly guys who look like Willie, who have muscles, and you know they're expanding their stomach and the training leading up to it. So that's, that's my pitch. That's my pitch for Chestnut and the rest of the guys as competitive eaters. I'm sorry, as uh, as true athletes. What do you have, Willie? So, Miles, I have something for you. While while you, while you guys are discussing, uh, I'm just going hot dogs direction if you want. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, going, I'm going rogue a little bit here. Okay. I, I did oh something here. Oh boy. Uh, since 2014, with a minimum 2,000 pass attempts, do you know who has... We're talking sports in July? What are, I thought this was against the rules on the show. Do you know who has the highest completion percentage? I bet it's Derek Carr. Is that why you're asking me? No, it's not. Oh, yeah? It's Kirk Cousins, 67.4. Oh. Tied. Tied for ninth. Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, sixty-five percent. They're the same level quarterback. There you go. The numbers back oh, it up. Yeah. They're yeah. they're 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 even quarterbacks. Is this is this Josh Duval's Twitter feed now? No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I do. I, do, I, I wish I had the. There's a database that he uses, but I cannot get access to it because you have to be a an actual full time AP guy, not a. Uh, correspondent like myself, so I use a different database. So I'm sitting here after you said that. Well, you know, Aaron, Derek, da, 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 and so I said, let me see if I can figure. So I just did all these filters from 2014 current of <laughs> all active players. By the way, got to be active with a minimum 2,000 attempts. Kirk Cousins leads the league, followed by Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Tannehill. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Right, this, is, this is a nightmare. Can we get Stafford, back to chugging and, then, and hot dogs, and then please? Rogers I got and chugging Carr. and hot dog material to get to. What yeah, are you doing? <laughs> the beginning is July. Like a, I know. It's not even a typical like sports in July question. Like, what do we do with the All-Star game? Like, this is actually a legitimate football talk. I was not expecting this today, guys. He's, our football insider is not prepared. What are you doing? Damn. Um, all right, well, I'll make the segue. Speaking of chugging, Aaron Rodgers can't do it because we saw him at a Bucks game and he couldn't chug a 12-ounce sure. beer in uh, one chug. Um, I did see you over the weekend once again throw your hat in the team mustard ring. Absolutely, always. Yes. yes. Yeah, uh, listen, ketchup doesn't belong on hot dogs. Agree. And so when I, I was over at a friend's house yesterday and he put the hot dogs out and there was ketchup and I said, what is this here for? And he's like, man, shut up. This is not Twitter. So <laughs> <It doesn't matter. laughs> That's awesome. Okay, how about your hometown guardians with their specialty dog? You ready for this one? Yeah. The slider dog. It's a hot dog, mac and cheese, crispy onions, and Fruit Loops. Oh. It's oh boy. it's literally an abomination. Like I don't <laughs> okay. I don't understand 
why in the world like anybody would want to have that. I, I what, what is the appeal of that? Does that appeal to either of you? No, but I got a question for you when you were done with the Fruit Loops. We'll go ahead and do it. We're done. All right, well, yeah, let's go. Do a hot dog and a hot link fall in the same category? Or are they two entirely different things? Well, I, I think that they're in the same category. Yeah, yeah hot dog, hot link, bratwurst. Yep. You know, spicy sausage. I mean, although spicy sausages, like those things have different uses. You know, like you could put spicy sausage in pasta, but usually it's not obviously in casings there. I'm catching uh, but a yeah, lot of, I would put it in the same category. I'm catching a lot of flack because we started the the, the, the show off in, in discussing what I had yesterday, and I said I would not touch a hot dog. Because yeah, they're but gross. I, but I was in with hot links. So then he had there's a, hot a link. difference like, between like, the two. There's, a, there's, a, there's an entirely different thing. They're entirely different. They are entirely different. No, you're right, Willie. I mean, like, I mean, they're, they're not entirely different since they're in the same category, but I will say this. I had a hot dog um, when I was in Cleveland that was disgusting, and I wished that I had, like, gotten an all-beef dog or something instead or a brat like man, but, like, it was one of the worst hot dogs I ever <laughs> tasted. But, you know, you put it together an all-beef dog. Like, I love a good bratwurst. I love a good spicy sausage. You get the peppers. You get the onions. You get the mustard. You get the sauerkraut. I mean, I, I love that, man. So I understand what you're saying, why you wouldn't want a hot dog. I do. Totally different direction to close out. All right. This is an important one. Miles Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. Uh, did you see Chris Broussard, a fellow scribe who does radio on Fox Sports National, you know, strongly intimated that Kevin Durant wouldn't go play in Toronto uh, because he's black and maybe Canada isn't. I don't. I don't know what he was getting at. I, I don't know. Did, like, have you ever thought this? That you know, Toronto would be an unattractive place to play for NBA players because of some reason. I mean, not really. I mean, obviously, uh, Kawhi Leonard left after just one season there, mm -hmm. and he won a championship. So perhaps there is something to it. Um, and, you know, frankly, I don't necessarily know what athletes think of playing up there because there's there, there's no Canadian team in the NFL. So I've never really talked to a player about it. But I think there could be something to like, yo, you're going to a different country and it's a little bit different up there, even though Toronto is, is about America adjacent as you can probably get. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know. And also there is now something going on right outside my apartment, apparently, that is you know going past me. So sorry for that. Uh, extra LAX. Yeah, Broussard yeah, said Jesus. it's not America, and you feel it, especially as an African-American. Okay, hey, you know what? Oh. He, if he's feeling it, I mean, there there can be places you go to where sure. you're like, man, I don't feel, like, real comfortable here. Yeah, I mean, I was just in West Virginia. I didn't feel real comfortable there, so, I mean, that tells you What? Something. That's outrageous! No, that's, that's your opinion. <laughs> if you didn't feel comfortable, you didn't feel comfortable. So. Uh, it's not really a place where I would want to spend a lot of time, but it was nice to... Be there where I was. We'll put it that way. I didn't like it either. And I was there probably <laughs> 25 or 30 years ago. So, Miles, mm -hmm. wonderful spot. We'll talk to you next week. Glad to see you're back in L.A. All right. Happy July, gentlemen. There he is. Miles Simmons. Sounding exasperated at the end. I was busting chops. You, you, we, we, can, we, can talk, we can talk football you know, every week of the year. I just wanted to move on to the, the food stuff. So what do, you, what do you think of what Chris Broussard said? If that's his personal experience. I, I have to take his word for it because I'm not black. How can I how can I how can I express what it would feel like to be a black person in Canada or right. Mexico or in a different country if I'm not black? I, I don't know what it feels like to uh, <clears throat> to walk into an elevator and have an elderly woman switch arms with her purse from one side to the other. So I can't gauge what they feel, but I know that I have friends that they can walk into an elevator, 
and an elderly white woman would switch arms with her purse because they walked in. They wouldn't do that with me. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Well, this is interesting. Uh, We keep getting these stories, you know, speculation, Willie, about what's going to happen with the Big 12, the Pac-12, and then, you know, the group of fives. And as I was telling everyone last week, I feel like most of the sources on what's happening are Midwest folks who cover the Big 12 or, you know, folks who are based in the East or the South. And I haven't heard a lot of folks out this way. Now, we talked to a couple of good writers one of the UCLA writers for the LA Times on Friday and, and also a AP guy, and they gave us a take. And we're trying to get, you know, more and more media people from out this way who are connected to the schools. Like, we're going to get Roxy Bernstein on later on as a high-level play-by-play guy from the Pac-12 Network and ESPN. He went to Cal, right? So the Cal-Stanford thing is really interesting because in all these discussions, nothing said about these two institutions that are locked together, have Northern California. Certainly they're attractive, in a lot of ways. So my whole point is we're getting more West Coast voices. So I just was reading John Canzano, who's, you know, he's the Oregon guy, right? Yeah. Has done radio for a long time in Portland. And Canzano said the Pac-12 is eyeing a loose partnership with another conference. Because what we're getting over the weekend is, oh, the Big 12 is just going to go in and raid the Pac-12. And I keep pointing out that, you know, the, the Pac-12 as a super old conference, right, does have – a certain allure to it, and it's always been kind of a snooty conference, and it's always thought itself to be, you know, a cut above academically. Uppity. Right? Yeah. Well, but but I think they, the schools there, some of them, have the right to feel a bit uppity yeah. when compared to Baylor, when compared to Oklahoma State, when compared to Iowa State, yeah, right? Of course. These are schools that... We're in the Big Eight. They've been dragged along, right? And Okie State has a nice football program. Baylor has bought its way to the table. I mean, it's kind of done so in gross fashion, going back to Dave Bliss and the basketball program, covering up a murder, and then a rape and sexual assault culture that went on for like 10 years, headed up by, you know, those jabronis, right? Ken Star on down. So I, these are factors as a school when you're like, okay, who do we want to pair ourselves with? Are they like-minded? Are they academic institutions? Yes, football is really important. But we saw it got to a point a couple of years ago with COVID where the Pac-12 is like, you know, we're not playing. And then at the last minute, they're like, oh, crap, we got to play to get, you know, to be in the money. Like, they'll they'll hold the line on the academic thing. So what's really interesting here about what John Canzano is saying, Pac-12 eyeing loose partnership with another conference. So he's been leaning on a uh, former president in Fox Sports, Bob Thompson. Says, first of all, Oregon and its potential value in the media rights world is about $30 million. He says that is not enough to interest the Big Ten. The other interesting thing, and I've seen people speculate on this one, USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. Do you think either one of them wants Oregon or Washington to come along? Like, we have the West Coast now when it comes to a nationwide footprint. No. We don't want them here. We already, we already experienced the Phil Knight buying Oregon of relevance deal. We're out. We don't, we don't want them. So I'm not even sure there's backing from USC and UCLA to have you know those two partners come with them, Oregon which and Washington. Two, which two from the Pac-12, if they were going to grab two more, Big Ten, 
Who do you think? Cal and Sanford. Because it's a match you think academically. That they would, they would yes, be okay I think with it, I think it's more like minded from a university standpoint. Okay. Yes, and I would hope with the money that Cal could get out of the freaking soup it's in because it's in bad shape. And Stan, what's Stanford's endowment? Eighty-five billion dollars. Stanford is a rich, 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 rich school with an unbelievable tradition on and off the field. This loose partnership. How about this one? Could include shared media rights. With ESPN between the Pac-12 and the ACC. Now think about it again, right? Whatever is left of the ACC, because the Big Ten actually could go and grab a couple of ACC schools, right? North Carolina and Virginia are very Big Ten-like in their missions, right? Now the ACC could, could get torn apart, like Clemson, Florida State, Miami could bail for the SEC. So what you could have here is two coastal conferences that only have nine of, or nine or ten of their teams left, and then the loose partnership would have the Pac-12 and the ACC meet up, and as Canzano says, for the Pac-12 would mean the ten team, the ten teams that exist would stay together, right? And they would play an ACC Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas, it, and that would that would probably be for. A bid to a tournament. Would they rebrand the the conference? Or no, would I think they, it would they, they, be a, it'd, it'd be a loose partnership where so just, where they would play. Because yeah. here's the thing, as, as we said earlier, we had some of our behind the scenes guys who were like, "Oh, well, if the Pac-12 gets raided by the Big 12, just the remaining schools join the Mountain West, and then they're Power Five. Like that's not the way it's going to work. Right? If TV doesn't want your product, and like a Mountain West conference with Washington State. And Oregon State added, like, not, TV people are going to be like, well, it's the same okay. conference. Yeah, We're maybe. not paying any more money for that. You right. you still get, here's the $4 million per school you're getting. Right. So, but yeah, I don't think that, that one's interesting. Like I said, I think because you have schools that share philosophies in the ACC and the Pac-12, the ACC has a mo- mostly proud tradition of good academic institutions. And I know people laugh at the academic stuff, but it, it, it is means part of something. It. It is part of it. You don't. What you don't want to do is go into a conference where you're like, "Wait a second, we're recruiting a whole different type of athlete. They can recruit anyone they want. How the hell do we keep up?" And with the NIL and all the money, you know, if you're all of a sudden if you're the Pac-12 and you're all lined with all these Texas schools, because keep in mind the Big 12 essentially is an amalgamation of the Big Eight, right, yeah. and the Southwest Conference. What's the rep of the Southwest Conference going back to the 80s? We are doing anything we can to win. Like, to the point where SMU got the death penalty. Hello, SMU, yeah. So all of a sudden, like, Stanford is like, yeah. Yeah, we're ready to – we want to play and recruit just like Baylor. What? Well, you talk about the academics and, and, you know, money is obviously the driving force for everything. But like you said, you look at the endowment, there are – the schools that have rich academic uh, tradition, they're also receiving – in, in some way, shape, or form. There's finances. There's a reason, right? You talk about the ACC. Talk about a school like Duke. Can you imagine, like a Duke and a Stanford? I mean, those are, those are two very prestigious academic schools on top of their ac- athletic. Sorry, I was just looking at the endowments. Yeah. So uh, these are the reserves, and it's, it's, not, it's not from real, really from sports. Some of it's from sports, but it's, you know, it's from your donor base and just yeah. how, how successful yeah. your, your donors are. Um, as an example, Stanford's... Endowment is $39 billion. Billion? Yeah. Billion. Iowa State's endowment is $1.4 billion. These are these are different types of schools. 
Who knows? You know what? In the end, the Big 12 might make some great pitch to Washington and Oregon and Arizona State and Arizona and Colorado and Utah, and they may jump at it, and the Pac-12 could die. I don't know how it's going to work out. But there's a lot of moving and shaking going on right now, right? All these, new, all these new schools are joined the Big 12. Yeah. BYU and Cincinnati and Central Florida and Houston, they're looking around like, wait, we, do we want to be part of this new Big 12? Like, what are, what are we doing here? Do we have, to, we have to jump again before we're even in? What the hell do we do? Uh, it's it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to, to try to keep up with the different with the storylines and then what people like like you just read Canzano, it's it's to come up with these different philosophies and 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 pictures, right? I mean, we're getting a painted picture different every single day. Well, it's because it's different regions of the country. The reporters right. are different regions. They talk to their region. Yeah. So like that's all we've gotten the first five days is uh, Big Twelve is going to swallow up the Pac twelve. Yeah, according to Dennis Dodd, who's in he's I'm not saying he's not doing his homework out west, but like. You think the pa- the pa- these, these so schools that are in a conference that's got 107 years under their belt, they're like, oh well, there's I so guess many, we're done. There's so many different try. opinions based on region, based on where they're at. That's what makes it it's it's difficult to keep up with because you're sitting there, you know, you're you're reading all these different opinions, different philosophies, different scenarios. So, you know, to try to figure out what to to to, to predict it is is damn near impossible. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the All right, let's uh, roll on. Uh, fat Pack hashtag uh, what? Slash is what I meant to say. Hashtag. Slash. Flash football frenzy. I wanted to get to one more story that you uh, you found. Boy, I feel like these three weeks in July, people are just again throwing stuff at the wall. Mm. Raiders trades. Yeah, Bleacher it's- Report did trades that teams need to make. Which, by the way, in the NFL, there really are no trades. I mean, there were this this offseason was like the greatest offseason ever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where you had all these twenty million dollar receivers, thirty million dollar receivers, in the case as high as a. Uh, Tyreek Hill being moved, but you don't see a lot of trades as the season comes along. This writer had the Raiders involved in several trades. I don't, do you get any of these at all? Raiders get Marvin Jones at wide receiver for a fifth round pick. It's the only, so, so to, to, to explain real quick, it's every single team right. involved in a trade with, that would benefit them. The Raiders ended up so, so when you get to the Raiders section, right. it's get Marvin Jones from the Jags for a fifth round pick, and then there were two other ones that involve the Raiders. But Raiders it, trade that, Foster Moreau for a third. I don't know why they would trade Foster Moreau. Neither do I. I also don't. I don't think the Packers would give up a third round pick. Uh, and the Saints get Kenyon Drake for a fifth round pick. Um, I don't believe the Saints would trade a fifth, but could I see the Raiders moving? On Kenyon Drake? Yes. In this current regime? Yes. Because you can see them stockpiling yeah. some of the Patriots' way guys like Brandon Bolden. They drafted two running backs. They signed a couple more. They've got Jacobs here. I think a lot of people around the league thought the Drake deal was a little high to begin with. So of the three trades, 
Raiders get Marvin Jones. Raiders trade Foster Moreau. Raiders trade Kenyon Drake, most likely. If you were to ask me what would most likely take place, I don't like it because I picked him to be a key cog of the offense. It would be the Drake because I think it does make sense. And I think that I 100% that this, think that the Saints would be willing to give up a fifth-round pick for Kenyon Drake because I think he's worth it. Um, and keep in mind, what's the big storyline with the Saints that we – Believe me, this story has been so put on the back burner because of Deshaun Watson, but Alvin, you know, Kamara. You, Alvin Kamara, you know, allegedly lit up some dude, like beat the living snot out of him with some dudes he was with. So here, last, yeah, here in Vegas, right Pro over Bowl. at Dre's, and uh, I, I always want to call it Barbary Coast, but the Cromwell. Um, he could be facing. A Will always game. be the Barbary for us. Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, uh, but he could be facing a six-game suspension, so they're yep. going to need some. Some more running back help. Now, I didn't have a I the 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 Marvin Jones one opened my eyes. The thing is, do, do they? I mean, do they need to beef that up even further? I mean, just, I, it would it would be it would be a an asset. It would it, you know, but um, I mean, when you're talking about targets like Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Devontae Adams, Marvin Jones might felt left out, or someone's going to feel left out. But I mean, it, I mean it, Raiders it, Raiders. It's Adams, Renfro, Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole. You know, from there, guys like Dylan Stoner, Tyron Johnson, Mac Collins. Oh, I so think Marvin Jones, he would immediately is there a glaring need to the upper tier? Is there a glaring need for? I mean, I guess he would be the three. Right, he would be the three. Yeah. I just don't know that they need to go out and get it. The only one that makes sense, you know, is if they need to clear the locker uh, and they need to or clear the running back room and they need to clear some cap space. It would be Kenyon Drake. But I don't like it because I like Drake. So we've come to an accord here. We've come to an agreement finally. There's no bets coming out of this? No. No. No, 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 no. We've only made one bet. I'm very disappointed. Did uh, did I thought about we might our have bet. another one on I, I thought about our bet earlier Okay. when Miles said, but if they get 11 wins, it doesn't matter. And I thought to myself, <laughs> our bet is Chiefs versus Raiders minus two and a half wins. Right. And I have the Chiefs and you have the Raiders. Yep. God, I love it. I can't wait for that dinner. <laughs> He's so confident. <laughs> well, Chiefs are clearly in a backslide. I don't know if Mahomes can do it with these new receivers. They're in trouble. Want to do two dinners? I'm pretty confident. No, we'll come up with a different bet. We don't need to double. And it. you're not worried after the? I, I love the offseason. All the rankings. All the rankings in the list. No, that makes me feel better. The lower they are, I feel better. You're not worried. The, Last week, the more Josh McDaniels, dis- 25th rated coach in the NFL, Andy Reid, number one. I love it. Love it. I love being – I don't want everybody on the same side as me. I want to be complete opposite. I don't need the public opinion. Public – listen, there's build. I, I Okay, <laughs> if I'm pointing toward the don't, strip right Don't now, use the sports book thing you know to back big, up your bet like <laughs> – that's like what, you're the book all of a sudden. When the public, no, they're the book. When the public you're, is all you're on a, one you're side, a freaking, that's you're a why those like casinos me. are built. That's why they have those big, tall, shiny buildings. That's because of the, the 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 mass public opinion. So I don't need everybody's opinion to be on the Raiders and Josh McDaniels. Keep lo- rating them low. Keep underestimating Derek Carr, the future NFL MVP. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. 
So Willie, hot dog contest yesterday gets busted up by uh, some guy protesting against uh, Smithfield. Joey Chestnut has to stop for about 10 seconds, gets him to choke hold, guy escapes. Chestnut gets back to eating. Refunds on 74 and a half hot dogs. He finished under. Some places refunded the money. Right or wrong? Right. Okay. I mean, there was a disruption that caused, I mean, those 10 seconds for that dude, I mean, 10 seconds is, is uh, I mean, is a nibble for you and I. That dude's probably. Feels like another three hot dogs. I, I broke down the video, by the way. I don't think the guy you broke bro- it down. Okay. I, I don't think that the guy broke out of the chokehold. I think this, the security guard that came up behind him had him arm locked. And as Joey came up with the chokehold, the dude was pulling the other way, hmm. and Joey let go so he could, so the security guard could take him down so he could get back to eating. So I was so, giving the guy credit for getting out of a chokehold. He didn't get out of it. He didn't get out of it. He didn't. I'll, he I'll, didn't get out of it. He he, he broke. He got, he, he got he was pulled out of it. Broken out of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll also. I thought the choke looked good. And he slapped it on quickly, and the guy was small, and he had no idea it was coming. Right. But I'll also give Chestnut some credit. Um, do you know how messy it gets in the hot yeah. dog contest? Yeah, you know Like, there's got to be hot dog and smushy bun residue all over your arm. Well, it is hard. It it's hard water, to lo- right? Think about it. You're locked, and it just slips right out. Yeah. But what a fi- – did he have he had a mask on, though, right? Good thing. What? A- imagine a face full of, like, chewed up dogs and mushy buns. Right in your freaking grill because you went up there to protest and chestnut. You, you know what I thought face. of when you, when you brought it up earlier about how he may have lost the competition or got DQ'd if he if he lost any of the if it spit out. Was I was thinking what, about what, what would they have done? A reversal ima- is not allowed. What, you, well, can't, imagine, you can't lose the food. Imagine all that. You know the the chokehold then, yeah. and then the other. I, I, you know what I thought of was that this latest social media challenge, TikTok, Instagram, whatever is the you seen this tortilla challenge? No. They stand across. The Aces did it, and uh, I think uh, I can't remember who won. Kirsten Bell or Sid Colson. Anyway, you stand across one another with flour tortillas. You put water in your mouth, and you slap each other with the tortillas. The first one to spit the water out, you're eliminated. So imagine all the Aces doing it. How big are the tortillas? It's like a big tortilla. You know, the tortilla, the like a burrito tor- wrap, yeah, or like yeah, a taco. Yeah. Or like a mini, like a like a street taco. No, more like what a burrito. Size? Like a burrito wrap. Yeah, because it's got to be a, a big. Yeah, yeah, big. freaking and, and, tortilla. And they slap them. If you do tortilla challenge, do it. You're a TikTok guy. Do the d- d- put up tortilla challenge, and you're mm. going to see they slap each other with the tortillas, and then if you spit the water out, you're eliminated. The like I said, the aces do it. I can't remember. I think Kirsten Bell won. Oh, oh. Jackie won. Jackie Young won. Good job, Ari. Uh, that's right. Jackie beat Kirsten. Really? Yeah. All right, I'll watch it during the break. Yeah, I do see a lot of videos. You're, 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 really? Yeah, you're going to get... Oh, How much does a tortilla hurt? Poor SO. She's going to... How much does a tortilla hurt? I don't know. How can it jar water out of your mouth? I don't get it. I guess we'll find out Thursday. Who came I, up with this? When I see... <laughs> Hopefully, this is a replacement for that tabletop nacho thing. Remember that? No. Oh, we talked. You remember it. People would take... a They take, basically take a kitchen island, put foil all over it, and then make nachos on there... By laying out nachos and then pouring all these toppings on it. It, it looked I'm, I'm, like I'm an animal. I'm out I eat on that. anything. And I was like, this is not good. I'm out on that. Okay. But you're in on the tortilla challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. You and I Who do you think would win a tortilla challenge between just the host of Cofield and Company? Is it experienced eaters? 
to the thinner guys. It's I don't think it it has anything to do with experience either. It's got to be whoever can hold the water, and you you can't you can't spit the water out. Okay, is 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 getting okay if if you've been punched in the face. Uh, You know who I'm going to go with. If you if you've been punched in the face and you think you have a good beard, as they will call it, Mm. do you think you'll you're in better shape for the tortilla challenge? Because I've been punched in the face several times. And the and the lights flash, but I didn't go down. I don't think it's the pain thing. It's more. It's so funny. I, you know who I'm going to give it to? Oh, okay. That's oh, a, oh, a, I didn't even. I, I got into the intensity of it. And I didn't realize you're supposed to have fun and laugh. Yeah, I I'm, I might give it to Adam Candy. Yeah, he's tall. The trajectory. I don't know if we could get up. Plus, he's a referee. He's got that mindset to stay cool. That's a good breakdown. I didn't even thought about the officiating experience. I'm not getting in any physical contest with him, especially if it requires some sort of anger management. Then I'm out. I lose. <laughs> I'm out in the first round. Yeah, you and I both. Oh, I might get uh, way too worked up. Way too worked up. All right, real quick. I got to get your numbers on there. You send over numbers sometimes. You've got, I don't know, this abacus at home. And you start working stuff and all these different, all these different stats. Same database that I uh, looked up for Miles. You had 95 pitchers have made their big league debut this season. 28 of them did it with a start. Those teams are 11 and 17 in those games. Okay, so then we just bet against every person making a, f- a first-time start, right? It's guaranteed. We're over 60%. No. No? Okay. This is an old school. Uh, you, it's funny because you, me, and Smoke and Dave Coke, and we talked about this on a late-night podcast last year when we were doing those. Uh Mike Lee, notorious old school handicapper. I don't know, notorious. I was going to say, it's, 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 it's infamous. Notorious. Infamous. He has a book down at the uh, at the uh, the Gamblers Book Club, right? It's called <laughs> Betting the Bases. I think I got JVT convinced to go buy it. He went and bought it. But uh, there's like three systems in there that that still to this day I will follow and and check out: the Magical Fourth, the Pitching Rematch, and the Virgin Pitcher. So if a Major League Baseball pitcher is making his debut as a starter, you're supposed to play on that pitcher throughout the season. Every single, throw 100 bucks every single time. You're supposed to make money off that because he's always, it's generally going to get a plus price. I think the only pitcher, if I'm not mistaken, was Hunter Green of the Reds. He was a favorite in his debut. But you go, you, you bet on it because... There's no true scouting report. You can you can go off of what they did in the minors and what they're known for, but until they go through the first two, you know, get through the lineup the first couple of times, you're really not seeing them at the big league level. So it's supposed it's it's an old school betting system, along with the other two, like I mentioned. So I, I keep track of it. It, ha- uh, it, it won yesterday with uh, the Tigers won game one of the of their uh, doubleheader. Garrett Hill got it done, so it improved to eleven and seventeen. Okay, so what am I doing then? I need action right now. There's no one making a major league debut tonight. Ah, damn it. All right, give me the heads up, please. Yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, NBA Summer League tickets going out next hour. Next hour, it starts up this Thursday at the Thomas and Mac. You got the number one pick going against the number three pick, the number five pick going against the seventh pick. That means uh, Jabari Smith of the Rockets uh, goes against the Magic and Paolo Bancaro and then uh, Shaden Sharp with the Blazers will face off against the Pistons. And Jaden Ivey, get your tickets now at UNLVTickets.com. 11 days of basketball action, 75-plus games, NBA Summer League on the ground here in just a couple days in Vegas.